0: State of New Hampshire, welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump.
1: Stomp. So, episode ninety four. How you been? Not too bad. Ninety four, man. We only have a few left for the big one hundred. I can't believe it. I know. I know. It's a lot of content. It, it is a lot of content. And uh, I wanted to do a. You know how usually we'll like we'll, we'll shoot the shoot the bowl for thirty minutes and then do the show intro. I want to do the show intro right away off the bat, just so that we could get it out of the way. Just because we got a lot of topics here. Is that is that okay with you? Yeah, man. Go for it. Okay, so this is not AI. This is just regular like we're doing. We're just switching up a little bit people. So, welcome to episode 94 of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast um, in the run up to episode 100, which we are close we are quickly approaching. We are going to return to an early show topic and attempt to try to do over some of the stuff so we can clean up our awkward early episodes with a little bit more concise advice and guidance. It probably won't be concise. It'll probably just be different. Um, but with that background, this week we start with a revisit of the terrifying 25 list, which I think was in, we touched on in episode 5. So along with that, um, we're going to give some advice for limiting risk while solo hiking. All this, plus car break-ins in the White Mountains, the stress of completing a winter 4,000-footer list, the Mount Washington Auto Road, and some history, along with the birth of the car guy personality type, Some local hikes for mass holes, hiking Mount Moriah, stomping knobby bushwhack to Indian head. Mike gets a new fleece pullover that he wants to brag about, recent search and rescue news. Plus, we have news of an assault in the McDonald's parking lot in North Conway, and two people were spotted fighting at Aditash. So it's chaos and calamities today. So I'm Mike. Mm. And I'm Stomp. Let's get started. Yeah, well, this show better live up to uh, that hype, Stomp.
2: (laughs) I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Jeez, I know.
1: The truth is, is when I was doing the intro, I was like, well, we got a lot of good stuff in the beginning of the show, but it's just a couple of topics in the afterwards. So I was like, well, why don't I just do the intro and tease all that fun stuff now instead of like waiting until we've done all the good stuff.
2: Yeah, and it was funny. I was, you know, in preparation for the last several episodes here building up to 100. I was looking at the old scripts and they we literally wrote out everything as opposed to just just making it up on the fly like we do now. It was funny reading over those old ones.
1: We had no timing.
2: Oh yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. But this would be good for all the new listeners that have not heard those first several episodes this would be your sort of crash course on a lot of the new the lists that are up here in the whites in the region so it'll be a good time
1: yeah yeah so we still have some guests coming in but we wanted to do a little bit of um updating on i think our first five episodes was like an overview on search and rescue an overview on the terrifying 25 four thousand footers 52 with a view and franconia ridge so we're going to touch on all those topics and close out Um, All that stuff before we get to um, the 100th episode, and then I think we've got the Golden Gator Award, too, coming up, right?
2: Oh, damn, yeah, that's coming up. We should probably pull the plug on that after this episode and um, tally up the votes, because it is time. We have the Oscar weekend coming up on the 10th or 11th that weekend, so uh, the episode that comes out on that Friday... We'll uh, reveal the results of all the submissions. So the Golden Gators are, are, of course, as you probably know by now, just all kinds of different topics that you can vote on from best you know trail to backpack to you name it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of submissions, uh, right, Agent Sweezy?
3: A lot of submissions. Over 50 at least.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we have Agent Sweezy in the house, and I'm going to call you that. Because we need personalities with cool nicknames on the show every now and then. I'll take it. <laughs> is that your trail name,
1: Lynn? Or is that just like a, a some backstory
2: there? The
3: Agent Sweezy? I, I, would yes. you, I, I would tell you, but I can't.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Non-disclosure.
1: We'll work on that, folks. We will work on that. So, Stomp, um, mm-hmm. this is the part of the show where you need to like drop in the sound of glass breaking because uh, that was the theme oh, of this weekend's damn. hiking um, endeavors for a lot of people. So, big car break-in. So, as far as I can tell, we're talking like north of maybe 20 cars getting broken into across 19-mile uh, trailhead, rocky branch, and then also old Bridal and flume got hit along with the Beaver Brook picnic area, so I don't know if they did like a big loop up from you know last time people got arrested, they were from Concord, so I'm sorry, Concord if you're listening, like but that's that that's where the people came from last time, so anyway, it looks like they hit Franconia, went up to Beaver Brook and then looped around to um you know, Gorham in that area, and then made it all the way to Rocky Branch. But, like, 20-plus car stomp. not that crazy? Yeah,
2: so how'd you find out about it? Because I've not seen, like, official news reports on this after you mentioned it. So was this there, online? Was,
1: there was two or three posts online with pictures of broken windows, and then um, people had chimed in on social media and Facebook groups about, like, oh, I was at this parking lot, and there was... X amount of cars that got smashed. And then I think one person had said, like, oh, yeah, they got my purse. And um, they had immediately gone to the Walmart in Gorham and had tried to use her, the credit card or something like that. So, um, mm-hmm. and then I saw news reports that had, I saw various news reports that covered all of these five locations. So,
2: yeah. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's not going to go away. Until it gets warmer, perhaps, and the stewards are there. But even still, it's, it's just so easy to, to do that. And unfortunately, people are, you know, I don't know, just not very cool.
1: Somebody went on a bender.
2: No kidding. Wow, 20. Yeah.
1: And this did happen on, in 2019. There was a rash of break ins on the kank over the course of, like, I think about six weeks. And they did arrest a, um, a nice couple. Who um, look like they will find law abiding citizens. This was the first time they had ever been arrested, I think. Um, and I'm saying that sarcastically. So um, it does happen, unfortunately. So, my advice to everyone that's concerned about their cars is leave your car unlocked. Um, make sure that you don't leave any valuables in the car. I even have like, I have these like chalk uh, markers. That um, I have for like reach the beach stop like you could even like write on write on your window like it's unlocked no valuables maybe that would be enough to like tell the tell the um, the, the like, thieves not to touch it it's like
2: poker you know, poker face like oh yeah sure sure there's nothing in there I don't know yeah, man. I, mean, I don't think that knows? I don't know that's weird I, I have a problem with the uh, leave the car open too I mean just make it that much easier for somebody to actually steal your car <laughs> I don't know yeah uh, it's it's like pick your poison, I guess. No kidding. I have a small yeah, lock a box
3: that I keep in the car, and it has an aircraft cable that locks to inside the locked box, and it goes around the base of your seat.
2: Really? Hmm. Hmm.
3: A challenge. Pretty good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jeez. A challenge. So, um, Anyway, that's a shame. Yeah, it sucks. Um, so, uh, my advice again: leave it unlocked. Um, it may be worth people packing some plastic and some duct tape in their um, trunk just in case. You know, I think just that's in case what the you catch do.
2: them and want to throw them in your trunk and murder well, them.
1: I mean, the, the, it's 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 it has or two did benefits you mean something else? One is if you murder them and you <laughs> want to wrap them up in plastic and duct tape, you've got it there. The yeah, other yeah, benefit is indeed. that yeah. The other benefit is that you can just like, you know, put plastic wrap on your window so when you drive home, you'll be okay.
2: Right, in the blizzard that's coming tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh boy. Yep.
1: Crazy. All right. And then in other hiking news stomp, you you found a, a story about a hiker that had fired off an SOS signal or something and caused a fire. What, what is this all about? I don't know about this one.
2: Yeah. Well, Apparently this this hiker was lost and just basically used a um a basic burn to draw attention to himself and ended up being found but now he's been uh charged with a $300,000 uh bill because of the damage that he did to the you know the region <laughs> the ecology in the region so it sparked a big wildfire so pretty interesting story that's um where is that outside magazine actually so interesting don't hear that one every day so he was found negligent wow three hundred. but yet he was yeah that's a that's a big chunk of change so I don't know that's a pretty interesting story just yeah. saw that one pop up this morning
1: I still say like light the fire if you need a rescue just don't hesitate
2: Yeah, don't worry about the 300K. That's no big deal, right?
0: Mm, Let the courts
1: (laughs) sort it out, I
2: guess. (laughs) Wow. That would be instant bankruptcy. Like, you're done.
1: Yeah, in Hmm. related news, Stomp, I picked this weird thing up on, like, there was a conversation about, like, I don't know what they were talking about. Somebody posted about Grey Jays, I think, but I I don't know how I picked this up, but somebody in one of the Facebook threads yesterday had said, and it's related to this story here, they said, oh, it was about a parking lot in Appalachia or something like that, like somebody blocked somebody else in. And somebody had said in that post, they were like, you're not supposed to back your car in at trailheads because there's a risk of fires from your car. Have you ever heard
0: of that?
2: Yes. Yeah, from the heat of the exhaust. The yeah, drive I never knew train that train sure yeah no I get that for sure it's something to think about um, probably less of an issue with the the lifted trucks and whatnot I don't think mine would be an issue but it is something you want to be aware of yeah especially in the drier you know the the smoky bear high danger time um, when it's a high risk for fire
1: yeah it is considered pretty that. interesting yeah, yeah I, I I always back in whenever I can, because I'm always afraid. Like I don't like to bend too much. Like, especially like after a hike it's risky mm. bending. Cause like something will get pulled. So I'm always like, I'll well, just back <laughs> in early. you know, you know what I mean? Like you had the backpack on for like hours and then you don't want to be twisting. Yeah. It's dangerous. So, right,
2: right. <laughs> bending is dangerous. <laughs> I always tell
1: people like the most dangerous part of winter hiking for me is putting on my micro spikes. Because oh, yeah. inevitably, like I'm bending in some direction that I'm not supposed to. And I'll feel like a stitch in my side or I'll pull my back. It's, it's dangerous.
2: Mm. Try, try it with a hip replacement, dude. That is the hardest thing ever for me, putting those damn spikes on. I bet. Because like hip rotations don't come easy. I can walk straight forward, backwards, straight side, left or right. But bending that uh, hip into those rotations, is no fun almost okay. had to ask Nobby to do it. No, I'm just kidding. No, I didn't. I could do it.
1: I we'll want find out what's going on in that hike. Um, <laughs> so you guys, I'm stressing out about this winter 4,000-footer list here. So, Running out of time? I'm like, originally I was like, I don't care. I'm not going to finish this winter. I'll just finish next winter. It's no big deal. And now I'm like, <laughs> I got five trips left, and I got eight peaks to do. And I have one, two, three, five trips, <laughs> four weekends to do it. Oh.
2: No
3: pressure. What do I well, do? Well,
1: can't
2: you tie two of those trips together somehow or just bite the bullet?
1: Not really. I mean, I guess I could. Like, I could I could do two in a weekend. Like, I have Cabot, which is going to be a long ride. Mm. Then I have Heel, which it could be a quick one because I could hit that from like Seven Dwarfs and just do it. So that's like a six-mile hike. Yeah. Then I have Owl's Head, so that's gonna be a long one. Then I have Cannon, which could be a quick one, and then I have Zealand Bonds. So hmm.
2: that's interesting. Depends on how much time you have, but. I would definitely tackle, it's conceivable to tackle Cabot. um,
1: I may do that one this weekend.
2: Right, and then add hail to that, or Cannon and Cabot. I mean, that's not too bad for a single day.
1: I don't want to do two in one day. I may do like two days in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Yeah, okay. So we'll see. I mean, otherwise you're going to have to listen to me complain about the winter four thousand footer list for the next nine months.
2: Oh, that's true. Yeah, I missed it by like one hike.
1: Yes. No. <clears> so
2: <throat> anyway,
1: it's very stressful. Do what Mrs. you got to do. Is not happy with me stressing out over this.
2: <laughs> is it keeping you up at
1: night? Well, because that's the other thing is I'm like, oh, honey, I don't want to be away from you, and I feel bad, and like you know the kids are away, and you're by yourself, and like. Meanwhile I'm like, I wanna go hiking. <laughs> and uh, so I gotta I gotta balance it. I gotta balance it.
2: Yeah. Huh. Yep. Good luck, kid. <laughs> All right. Well what do you state? want to wait, wait? Hold on a minute. What do you want to be the last one? Do you have a preference for the last one?
1: Originally I was gonna do canon because I was like, Stomp can meet me. It'll be a moment. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, I, and I'm always uh, I vu. always say Canon because I'm like, well, you know, Mrs. Mike and the family <laughs> they can all join me. It'll be so nice. And then like the day of, they're like, yeah, we're not going.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would do that. Well, keep me posted. I'm sure others would join you too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Keep it going. But um, I did hike this weekend, so we'll talk about that. And I know you got out there. But anyway, next moving on to uh, moving on from my stress to your stress stomp, So you registered. <laughs> For the Mount Washington Road race. I so did. So you're waiting to hear back uh, from the lottery, right?
2: Oh my god, yeah, I did. Yeah. And I told uh, I told my wife and she was like, It better just be you. And uh that's <laughs> that's because I signed her up without telling her a couple of years back. <laughs> Can you imagine she oh, did? <laughs> She doesn't even she doesn't even even run.
1: I don't think she's run once in her life. Well, uh, I remember the first so. time meeting you guys and Mrs. <laughs> Stomp was like, You guys are the craziest like what's wrong with you? You must have something wrong mentally for doing this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. But uh, it was quite a process. I do not anticipate getting in because I think that they're trying to expand the accessibility of the race. Um, and the reason I say that is the I had to... It was like I was running for Congress um, as opposed to running a, a, a race because every question they asked was sort of intrusive almost. Like, what's your income? What's your education level? What's your gender? You know, all this crazy stuff. So I took the... Uh, I took the do not, uh, prefer to, I I prefer not to answer approach on everything. So I don't think that's going to help, (laughs) but you never know. (laughs) I don't think this guy's going to get into the race. It's just so popular to begin with. I don't know, but fingers crossed. We'll see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And typically that data that they collect, I mean, obviously they need to categorize you by gender, but, um, I think the rest of that data is more just sort of like looking at the, looking at the info. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, Because people ask me that too about like, oh, applying for a job or whatever. And I think most of the time that's, you know, we'll do reporting, you know, every six months or every quarter or something to take a look at that info. But usually it's not, it doesn't really play into it when, when you get the decision. But what would play into it is if somebody's listening and they happen to know the people that run the lottery. Well, that's it would I mean. be really great if you could pick me and stomp so that we could do uh, a nice deep dive episode <laughs> on it. So Delta Dental, if you're listening, I pay you a lot of money every year. Let us in.
2: Isn't it Andy Satchett and a few others? I I don't know. They're accessible people, but it would be curi- curious to get the inside uh, scoop on how it runs. But the last point on this, I'm a Clydesdale now, which is sort of ridiculous, because when you and I were running it together during that... You know the decade or two decades spurt. I was like 165. Now I'm a Clydesdale, which is for anybody that doesn't know, it's uh, 200 plus. <laughs> the big boy. Like, oh. I'm going to be bowling over all these little twigs running up the mountain. <laughs> yeah. I was shocked, I'm like, oh my god, what's happening here? I'm a Clydesdale because I used to look at those Clydesdales running up when I was running, and I'm like, damn, those people are massive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm like I, I muscle bound. Like muscle-bound, like he's funny. Yeah, I don't uh, think
1: I will ever um, be able to reach that category. So congratulations you <laughs> that are condolences stuff.
0: I don't know which one to give you. I
1: know. Yeah, me neither. Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> Let's dive into some White Mountains history, shall we?
1: I was doing some picking around the internet uh, based on the... I had, So I'm registered as well, so we'll see what happens. So who okay. this handy guy is, if you're listening, like hook me up. But um, <laughs> I started just dig- digging around and I was looking at the history of the auto road. So the first car that went up the auto road... So the auto road opened up in 1861 and it was basically horses and carriages and people walking up. And then uh, the first car to ascend... The auto road was in 1899. I think we've talked about this before, but it was the... So you hear the, the term Stanley Steamer, which um, I think may be like a vacuum now, but it was a car at the time. So back in the early 1900s, there was these platform wars, basically. Like there was steam-powered engines, and then there was um, internal combustion engines. So mm-hmm. the first car to actually go up in 1899 was a Stanley car manufacturer. They were out of Watertown, Mass., and they were a steam-driven engine vehicle, and Stanley and his wife drove up um, the auto road, and it became like, it was national news. And that sort of kicked off the, the whole car craze. So it was a big marketing ploy for them to show, like, okay, well, the Stanley steamer is so strong and reliable that it can climb Mount Washington so as a part of marketing to get people into sort of car culture but you know four or five years later I think in 1902 was when Stanley actually became like a a true auto automobile manufacturer They, they went from like custom orders to actually selling like more volume and I think in 1904 if you go on I got this link that I pulled off of Vimeo but there's a A video of cars going up the auto road from 1904. And it's funny, I was trying to pick off where on the auto road they were filming from, and I couldn't really get anything. I think they were filming at one spot at the 4,000 foot mark, where right before you pop out of tree line and before you go up into the dirt road section. And then they are also filming at the end of the Great Gulf, where that very steep section where you turn away from the great Gulf and you approach that last climb before you get to the flat section right below the summit. You know, what I'm talking about Stomp?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
1: Yeah. So that's where they were filming and it was funny. They had to get out and push some of the cars up that steep section, mm-hmm. which was interesting. but wow. um, but what they ended up doing is like, so 1899, they, the first car goes up with the steamers by 1904. They had already like car guys had been invented. Like, I don't, I'm not a car guy. Like, you know what I mean by car guy? Like, people that are into vehicles and like they're they like fixing cars and driving cars. And you see them in New Hampshire, like these Corvette groups that will drive like 20, 30 Corvettes at a time through the mountains. Mm-hmm. They They had these car rallies going by 1905, they had this thing called Glidden Tours, which was funded by a millionaire. And he would basically get people from New York and Boston together and then they would drive up in groups of like a hundred cars and they would do a grand tour around the White Mountains. They would stop at Bretton Woods. They would stop at um, Mount Washington. Some of the cars would climb up Mount Washington and then come back down. And then they mm-hmm. would go all the way around to like Boston, down to Connecticut, and then back to New York. So the, and there was like hundreds of these cars and there's a film from 1905 showing them driving up Mount Washington and then also showing them in Bretton Woods in front of the old hotels at Bretton Woods. Hmm, that's cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And then eventually the Stanley steamer engine was competing against the internal combustion engines and it was a platform war, much like the VHS and Beta Wars when we were growing up. Right. You know, deciding what's going to come out. Is it going to be a steam-powered engine or is it going to be an internal combustion engine? And pretty early on, it was it was obvious that it took them t- over two hours to get the steam engine up to Mount Washington to the summit because they had to stop every, I don't know, half hour or so to fill up water. And they missed one of the water springs, so mm-hmm. they had to, like, carry water up to get the car back up. And... Um, so it was it was it took them over to, so we ran the Mount Washington Road faster than they could drive the car up the first time they did it. <laughs> wow, amazing, yeah yeah, which is interesting. so, but the Stanley steamer company, they started realizing that the internal combustion engine was much more efficient, low cost, and had longer range. So what they started as a marketing campaign, basically being like, you know if you want to if you want to risk an engine exploding on you and you dying you can buy an internal combustion engine but a stanley steamer is what's safe so mm-hmm. for like probably about 10 15 years they were able to <clears throat> survive because people were more concerned about safety than they were efficiency but by 1924 the steam engine had completely lost to mm-hmm. the internal combustion engine and that's when you saw ford and all those other car manufacturers basically take over and the Stanley steamer went into the bin of history Wow see you, Stanley yep so I put together a list of some other platform wars stomp that I thought you'd be interested in so obviously VHS and beta I think cable TV versus streaming services is one that we're living in right now mm-hmm. then you've got eight track and cassette you remember those yep then you have cassette and CD, mm-hmm. and then you have AC versus DC current was another platform war that AC won out on. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was interesting, but Mount Washington, yeah. you know, going up there, put Stanley Steamer engines in the lead for a short period of time, but it didn't last.
2: Well, you forgot um, DVD. I mean, DVD just literally disappeared. True. It's crazy. They're like on PlayStations. We have a, a, a S load of DVDs just rotten there because now everything's streaming. I mean, that happens so fast. It's
1: crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Things yeah. change. Technology changes. Um, mm. I think it happens at a higher rate now, but back then it was yeah. a little bit of a slower burn. But um, I found it fascinating that they went from, you know, a car going up in 1899 to a full marketing campaign around sort of car culture and, and sort of group rides and tours and people are coming in from New York up to New Hampshire. You know, they really marketed the freedom that an automobile gives you very quickly. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, anyway. Right. So it's a little bit of history tidbit there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So next up, Stomp, you have somebody had sent in a correction that there's no R in Acadia. So I think that she's talking to you.
2: <laughs> yeah, Sue Skelly. Thank yeah. you, Sue. Acadia. <laughs> I guess I was saying it like that. Oh, well.
1: Was that you or me? It had to be
2: you. That, I, that was I It was me. Yeah, she, she mentioned it and tagged me in the, uh, the message. So, hey, I'm a Bostonian. Do
1: better, Stomp. I parked my car at the trailhead.
2: And get my windows smashed in.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Massachusetts and Bostonians, I had posted a little something about like a local hiking area uh, close to my house, uh, Amesbury Trails Association. And then somebody, I think, had chimed in and had said to check out uh, Purgatory Chasms, Chasm Stomp.
2: Well, yeah. This is a listener, uh, Mandy Dandy doo who uh, mentioned Purgatory Chasm, and I did some research on it, and we have a link here for it. But it looks like a really nice hike in Mass. Um, super dense woods and like gorge flumes and this and that. But it looks great. It looks like a really cool spot.
3: It's a great spot.
1: Yeah, I was checking it out. Yeah, and um, from what I could tell, there was some. There was a film. There was a movie film there. And, um, it was based on, you know, that forest in Japan, that's the haunted forest where people go to, um, yeah. I guess just end their lives. I guess they use that as one of the locations for filming. Wow.
2: Pretty neat. Well, you're mm-hmm. like, you look at the pictures, there's a, like a King's cave. It reminds me of Linwood's in a sense. They're of, uh, just these little boulder formations, lover's leap. Um, it's in Sutton, Massachusetts. So established in 1919. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, Have very you been cool. there, Lynn?
3: It's, I've been there some years ago, but it's um, about 45 minutes to an hour from me. I think it's right near Worcester, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, I think so. Hmm. But, Stomp, we're going to need to – I got to thinking about this, and I was like, we, we need – We need to like look at maybe doing an episode for for local hiking in Massachusetts, but I think we do do it. I mean, I'm going to be heavily skewed towards the North Shore, but like things that come to mind for me is like the Amesbury Trails Association, you know, we have like miles of trails up here and some decent elevation for Massachusetts. Maudsley State Park and Newburyport's a great area. You can go in the, yeah, you can go in the Essex County Greenbelt. Have you heard Mm -hmm. of the Greenbelt? Oh, sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
2: Then there's Breakheart in Saugus on Route 1. Oh, there's so many cool little places, but uh, yeah, let's do it. That'd be fun. Yeah,
1: yeah. Harold Parker in North Reading, and then Bradley Palmer in <sighs> oh, Ipswich. Yeah. Harold Parker. Oh, boy. Some memories there. Oh, no. Were you <laughs> one of those people that. that went parking in Harold Parker, or were you actually the hiking? Oh,
2: uh, let's just say I know people that uh, were hiding out from the law, oh, staying really? there for an extended tenting session shall we say oh really so oh yeah interesting huh
1: mm, we're gonna have the to talk in, about that the next hike we go on but the, yeah Hell far i mean that was my backyard because I, I grew the up in North Reading, so yeah sure yeah, i used to <laughs> troll around there all the time but yeah it's a great mm-hmm. area for hiking and shenanigans there's a lot of great stuff in mass
3: well after massachusetts you can shoot down to rhode island and hit arcadia wildlife management
2: with an, an actual R? Uh-huh. I'll go. I'll go if there's an actual R there instead of a
1: Acadia. Acadia.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there's an R in that one.
1: <laughs> Acadia. <laughs> well, it makes sense that there'd be an R because Rhode Island, like, they can't resist them. So it makes sense. <laughs> right. Oh my um, God. But yeah, so we'll have to figure that out, Stomp. And then the other thing, too, is about, like, in the North Shore of Massachusetts, like, we have a ton of rail trails, too. Like, there's a rail trail system across... Amesbury, Salisbury, Newburyport, uh, Danvers, uh, Topsfield, Hamilton, Wenham—they all have these different rail trails around. So there is a ton of stuff in Massachusetts. If you're stuck stuck down here and you can't go to New Hampshire,
2: mm-hmm. yep. And the um, the risk of your windshield getting smashed in is probably a lot higher. <laughs> it's a, I would think. Well, Linwoods, well, Woods, yeah, <laughs> lin the city of sin. Your car never hey. comes out the way it came in.
3: Hey, wait a minute.
2: <laughs> what? <laughs> Lynn. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, geez, yes. A different kind of Lynn.
3: Yes. Okay, okay. Yep.
1: <laughs> All right, Stump, and then you have here a, uh, you want to do White Mountain Endurance plug here?
2: Yeah, hey, yeah, they just said... Um, um, Invited me to do the DJing, excuse me, for um, the events this summer. So I'm really stoked about that. That's going to be fun. Um, I think they're doing about geez, six events, everything from the Kilkenny to the, um, uh, the Chikora, Race the Cog, and uh, all the rest. So keep a lookout. We're going to try to prop them up a little bit and give them some uh, airtime and some. Um, just i mean they're definitely looking for some sponsors and everything else so uh endurance.com and uh, christina and rem they're great folks so we're gonna have a great summer and it kicks up uh, i think it kicks up in may and ends in september so it's gonna be pretty cool
1: excellent excellent and then uh stop i think from there we are on to pop culture talk so what is going on in your pop culture world Oh,
2: mine. Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, Steve, Reckless Steve sent me um, a link saying uh, that he's trying to resell his mischief red boots, and I did some research on them, and um, I guess this is a TikTok sensation. They're selling these boots for $1,400, like, resale, and they're just these gigantic, like, Mario kind of boots. And, uh, Mike, that might actually work for you. Like, these boots are pretty slick-looking. So anybody's interested, Steve's selling them for 1300 bucks. Uh, so you can grab them from Reckless Steve.
1: <laughs> are these? The, stuff. Uh, uh, I have questions, but I don't know if I want to get into. Oh, I'm going to wait till Steve I know. comes. Like, I just want to know yeah. how heavy they are. Like, what's the... I don't understand. But, they okay. look like they were digitally printed, if I were to
2: guess. But who knows? You can do anything like that with those digital
1: printers these days. So they but, uh, missed it. So, I mean, I'll try to describe, these are like these giant boots. Like yeah. they would be like way like too lid- big to, you can't really walk around with them that that efficiently, right?
2: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should, Lynn, maybe we should get them as a uh, sponsor and we'll get a free pair. We can try them out.
1: we we'll test them on the hills. <laughs> All right, I'm on it.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll post this on the show notes and people can judge for themselves. But they're these giant red plastic <laughs> looking boots. Yeah, they're super crazy. Yeah,
3: River crossings.
1: River crossings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I think you'd be way down. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right, Anywho. Stomp, what's
1: next?
2: It's all right. Well, I've been seeing all these cool videos online of Teslas, especially like in China for some reason, just losing control and driving at 100 miles an hour plus in uh, overclocking mode. And apparently they're trying to hustle a new patch into the system and they're going to be basically updating almost 400,000 vehicles of these. Apparently there's a problem. Um, So the self-driving software is glitching. And I, I would think that that's something you might want to have worked out earlier, but I don't know. I just do not trust these damn things. Can you imagine? I
1: know. You don't. You yeah. Know, I do. I would be like, okay, I'm going to take an I, I saw a video online, I think it was on YouTube, where a lady was driving her Tesla. She was sleeping, and someone took a video and they were like, is she sleeping? I think mm. it was staged personally, but it was still kind of funny.
2: Possibly. But yeah. some of the videos I've seen are horrifying. God. I, mean, I, I was talking to, to Nobby about this too, because there is the risk that they could hack into your car and take over your car. Anybody. You know, it's it's yeah. all wireless and sent through the air. So that that whole concept freaks me out. Like,
1: no thanks. You know where I think self-driving will make sense and where you'll see it is like, go to Vegas and they're going to have like a private road in Vegas that will take you up and down the strip or Mm -hmm. go to a resort area and there'll be like these self-driving cars that will go back and forth from like the resort to a downtown area and back. And it should basically... You know, it's programmed to go like only one area in a loop and it mm. just sort of eliminates the need for like shuttle buses. I think that yeah. might be the way it's it's done safely, but I don't know. We'll have to see.
2: Mm. Yeah, who knows? But beyond that, um I spent this last weekend watching the most recent Dune. Are you a Dune fan? Because I I think HBO did a really great job with this movie, uh watching it for the second time. I think it was really great. I'm looking forward to the second one. Um, got a kick out of the, the whole, the sandworms there and they have to walk in a non-rhythmical pattern so that the sandworms don't find them. And, um, uh, it was just a good, good watch. Are you into those at all? It's more sci-fi. I see,
1: uh, yeah, no, I, I read the book and I did see the, um, I saw the movie in like the eighties and the nineties, which wasn't great, but this With remake Sting, was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. I'm waiting for the the sequel to come out.
2: I thought it was great too. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the, uh, the Sand Walk was hilarious. There's videos out there about it. And it totally reminded me of Monty Python's Ministry of Silly Walks back in the day. You remember that? Are you a
1: Python fan? We never talked not about Python. Not really. Not really. Oh, I mean, it was always I on in the background, Python. but I never got into it.
2: Yeah, it's just so silly. It just struck it struck me as a kid growing up watching that stuff. It was so funny. Yep. But that's a decent segue into these new stories because there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on in the UK with uh, literature getting censored and this and that. And uh, we'll give you the links. It's just too much to really talk about here in this context. But um, the first one is, the, I guess the UK um, paid for a uh, a study to be done over... Um, preventing terrorism. So it would be a a counterterrorism program. And this study produced a gigantic list of classic British sitcoms and literature that would be basically a red flag and would be indicative of right-wing tendencies and all kinds of crazy stuff. But what's crazy about this is it pulled in George Orwell, uh, Shakespeare, and believe it or not, Tolkien as being literature that would be a red flag to find out if somebody is like a uh, <laughs> right-wing terrorist or something. It's just absolutely obscene. Good news is the public is not falling for it. I'm very sensitive about this stuff because as an artist, like, it doesn't matter what art form you are endeavoring to uh, chase after, but whether it be acting or writing or sculpture, whatever, it's, it's your work. And to have somebody else come in and censor it and do this and that to it and uh, try to get into your intent, it just drives me nuts. So, are you familiar with Rode Dahl's books, the um, the children's book writer?
1: Yeah, yeah. I read all those books as a kid growing up. Yeah. In fact, that was sort of like the gateway for me because I was big into sci fi fantasy. Wonka. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: Willy Wonka and James and the Giant Peach. And they're trying know, to he's... rewrite his books. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. From what I can understand, it looks like what they're doing is going in. So as far as I understand it, somebody, one of the publishers, it might be Penguin or one of these big publishing houses, they own the copyright to Roald Dahl's work.
2: They were bought out by Netflix.
1: And as part of that, they're basically, when they do the new editions, they're going through and removing terms like, I don't know, it's kind of weird stuff, like Augustus Gloop, who was one of the um, the five or six kids that was allowed into um the the chocolate factory to compete for the big prize like he he's no longer going to be called fat he's going to be called I don't know something else but enormous you know, they're, 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 but yeah, this is the just...
2: this is the problem this is the problem it's like enormous is a very visceral visceral word so who are the, who are the people making these decisions but beyond that fundamentally you're taking one of the most popular authors of all time for kids' books and just erasing it, erasing it, completely erasing his intent, which you can't really read anyway. At the bottom of this article, they talk about different situations too that have happened because of these sensitivity readers that get into these things and just put their own assumptions and everything else and uh, remove words in books. It's just, it's crazy. As an artist, it it would drive me nuts. Like, it's just unacceptable.
1: Yeah, I think... There's, a, uh, there's people all over the place and sort of both sides of the spectrum that want to tinker with things or ban things and whatever. And I think there's a whole big wide like group of reasonable people in the middle that just don't say anything. And I'm one of them. I'm just like, I can't I can't argue or fight this stuff. So, um, but anyway, it, it is interesting. I'm not a big fan of changing writing. I think it's just a snapshot in time and they should just keep um, Augustus Gloop as a big fatty. Sorry, don't come at me. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't get
2: it. It's like if you look at Orwell, and I don't want to dwell on this forever, but Orwell, uh, Tolkien, um, and this fella here, they all were uh, veterans for the UK, essentially, and they fought for their ability to have free speech and free conscience and this and that. And to see the UK do this is just mind blowing.
1: Crazy. Crazy days. Calm down. No, Let's hey, move no, on to more no, important dude.
2: stuff here. Uh, no, Harry absolutely.
1: And Harry and Meghan are going to sue <laughs> South Park. So,
2: well, Yeah. One last point. Okay. This is very important. If they, if they get away with these types of things, it's just going to get worse and worse. So just be aware. Go stomp. Got to say something. Go stomp. Yeah. <laughs> That's I right. I agree. Oh, Megan. Oh, now these two I can censor for sure. But South Park did a new uh, episode on Megan and Harry. And they were talking about suing South Park, which would be ridiculous. I mean, they would never win a case like that. And now they're backtracking. So that was pretty interesting. So has anybody seen that? No. Nope, I watched I it. Watch it, was, it was brilliant. And it was it was. Right on the money because these two have been putting themselves out there. They just didn't like the heat.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll go like three years without watching South Park, and then like when I run out, when I hit the bottom, and I don't have anything else to watch, like I'll fall back on the Office or South Park, and I'll just binge them. So I'm sure I'll yeah. get to it at some point. Right now, I'm I'm watching Carnival Row, which is a steampunk show on Amazon. Highly recommend.
2: Yeah, that's with uh, Orlando. Speaking of Lord of the correct. Rings, correct? Yeah. yeah, very good.
1: All right, Stomp, you want to do a uh, sponsor?
2: Yeah, we're going to start off with Vaucluse gear. Back sweat sucks in all types of weather and hikes. Not only is it uncomfortable, sweat is a risk factor, causing your core temperature to fluctuate if it doesn't evaporate off your back. Check out Vaucluse's Dry Backpack Airflow Frame, a backpack accessory that installs on your favorite pack, size 18 liters to 65 liters, and creates an airflow gap between you and your pack. Whether you're in hot or cold temps, even if you have a pack with a curved frame, the cool dry frame is a real game changer when it comes to airflow. Visit Vauclusegear.com to order a cool dry frame today. And uh, Agent Sweezy, can you give us a little plug for this? Because you have some news for us, don't you?
3: Uh, for the Gear, I the frame, I absolutely love it. Um, I've used it on every hike I've been on for probably two months now. Works yeah. fantastically, yeah.
2: Yeah, but aren't you um, an ambassador?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I guess what yeah. I, maybe not new news, but uh, yeah, I did release that I'm an ambassador with Folkloose Gear and, um, you know, have a, a code to share if anyone would like, but... Um, well, what is it? The code is Lynn, L-Y-N.
2: Cool. That's wicked cool.
3: Yeah, you could save 20 bucks and it just um, allows some air to hit your back while you're hiking so that... You're not sweating too much. It regulates. It's
2: nice. Mm, that's awesome. Uh, and Bryce is a great guy, too. I, I wish him the best. Um, so, hey, yeah. you can get your stickers moving on uh, at Ski Fanatics right here in Canton, New Hampshire, uh, exit 28, or at Spinner's Pizza Pala in uh, Andover, which is off of Dascombe Road. Um and you can also advertise with Slasher Podcast. We have a whole bunch of different programs and um, rates for anybody interested in getting your product or podcast or whatever. Whatever you're doing out there, let us know and we'll uh, set you up. Um, coffee donations, we have several. And I can't, I can't believe the, uh, the level of donations that have been going on here. Um, they're going through the roof, which is super cool. Um, Jennifer Rooks donated nine dave five um and he had mentioned that he's recovering from a hamstring injury but in the meantime he's uh listening to the podcast i guess he's binging (laughs) bob and jen donated 10 coffees david donated seven and he had some he had some yeah this is crazy Uh, like um he he had a comment he's like the shame segment the sound effects are too long sometimes (laughs) and he also talked about waterproof socks and uh yeah, waterproof socks are cool. Do you two ever try those? I don't personally because I, I run hot and they, my feet would be soaked.
1: I haven't. I um, <clears throat> I've heard about people that use the. So I think this was in reference to me talking about how like um, in like April in March and April, like, I will start, I'll switch from boots to trail runners when I hike, like, in the Bell Naps or the Squam Range, and I just sort of accept that my feet are going to get wet. So I think that this gentleman who had bought us some coffee had said, like, you can consider waterproof socks, and I've seen those before where people will, like, walk across a river in those socks, and the feet will stay dry. And then I've also heard that there's, like, trail runners that are Gore-Tex that are waterproof. I've just always sort of just been of the mind that, like, I'm... My feet are just going to be wet, and I'll just I'll just deal with it. But maybe I'll check it out. I don't know. I've, I've always been curious about those socks.
2: Yeah, yeah. I guess it would be good for certain seasons, like you know, shoulder season or whatnot. Um, yeah. But we also have, <coughs> excuse me, Don R donated five, and then Jeff donated five as well. And he began listening a year ago. Thanks everybody for listening and donating. I. I Honestly, I'm sort of floored at the the amount of uh, support you guys are giving us. And it's. Uh, I hope it's because we're knocking it out of the park and uh, for no other reason. Uh, <laughs> that's great. And uh, let's see, anything else here? I think we're good. Um, I guess you did the transition, the show summary already. So we also have um, another sponsor CS Coffee, CS Instant Coffee, zero-waste instant coffee that comes in compostable packets, perfect for the trail and home. Each packet makes about 20 20 ounces of coffee, so you can take one of them on an overnight trip, and it makes two pretty good-sized cups of coffee. Put it in your backpack, find some hot water, and you're good to go. Learn more by going to our show notes or Google CS Instant Coffee, www.csinstantcoffee. 48 Peaks Alzheimer's. Hike to fight Alzheimer's with 48 Peaks, a fundraising and awareness event for the Alzheimer's Association. Join 450 plus hikers this summer as we hike New Hampshire's 4,000 footers or create your own hiking adventure from a 52 of the view to a Prezi Traverse or climb your favorite mountain. Together, we will paint the mountains purple and raise vital funding to advance the care, support, and research efforts of the Alzheimer's Association. Visit alz.org/48peaks. That's a l z . o r g the numbers 4 8 peaks to learn more.
1: Excellent. So this is the part of the show where we talk about whether or not we're drinking beer or something else, Stomp. So are you drinking beer or something else?
2: (laughs) I'm drinking beer, actually. And it's like I'm becoming a one-trick pony with uh, Burlington Beer Company. Um, This is a Castle in the Clouds, and it's a Citra Hop Triple IPA. So it's got some kick, and um, I just love this company. Um, I'm on a Burlington Beer at the moment so how about you
1: i am back to my lord hobo 617 hazy ipa so i'm still Ah. plugging through those i think i have one more left which is good and then lynn i see that you have your emotional support water bottle with you so i'm assuming (laughs) you're drinking water
3: (laughs) i have my um emotional support hot chocolate with me tonight
1: Oh, you do? Okay. So it's hot chocolate. So I stole that. Like, that's the running joke with um, my youngest daughter, Megan. She'll always, like, make fun of Mrs. Mike and be like, oh, mom's got her emotional support water bottle. And then every three months, like, Mrs. Mike will buy, like, a new water bottle. So we'll always make fun of her and be like, oh, you know, she's going to drink even more water because she's got her new emotional support water bottle. So
3: well, I've seen her slasher sticker on it. So.
2: Hmm. Have you two heard of, um, I discovered this over the weekend. Um, Peak Organic Brewing Company. Nope. They make an IPA, which is organic, and what they do, I'm not quite sure where they're out of. Um, oh, Portland, Maine. So basically their their shtick is locally s- sourced, bright, juicy hops, and certified organic, so Peak Organic Brewing. Um, I tried them over the weekend. It was uh, really good. It's, I like guess, 7% IPA. <coughs> so keep an eye out.
1: Excellent. So I'll uh, have to look for that in the future, Stomp. Yeah, it's good. And then um, this next part of the show is the show where we talk about uh, recent hikes that we've done here, Stomp. So I saw some pictures that you and Nobby got out somewhere. Um, so Nobby Hikes is a friend of the show, friend of ours. He's been on the show before. We go hiking with him a lot. Um, so want to give a breakdown, Stomp?
2: Sure. Yeah. We, we touch base. Um, you know, Mark is still sort of recovering, um, from some medical stuff going on, but, um, he's building up slowly and he, we were batting around some ideas and we ended up, um, skipping the higher summits because of the wind that was forecast that day and the wind chill. And he proposed doing Indian head or, or Mount Pass, uh, was it Pemijawasit. um, So we decided to do that, but I proposed, hey, let's do what I did a couple months back and, you know, tag on Harvard Falls and Georgiana Falls, which is just south of there by a mile or two, and then bushwhack over, and uh, he agreed to that, and uh, we had a really nice time. Um, Harvard at the top there was just absolutely beautiful. It was so frozen from that Arctic um, blast that we got two weeks ago. Just stunning, absolutely stunning. It wasn't too bad getting up there. Some glare ice, you know, we had the deeper spikes on, but right at the top, we threw on the snowshoes, and you know, it was about maybe six to eight inches of crusty, crusty snow um, that we snowshoed across and got over to Indian Head and had a really nice time. Um, Up on top, there was a ton of people up top, and um, it was just sort of funny because he and I. Looked like we were headed to Everest base camp with all the crap we had on our packs and the snowshoes. <laughs> we looked so out of place. <laughs> it was a good, good laugh, but uh, very nice time out with Mark. It was good seeing him again. Um, That's crazy. It was, Is- yeah. There was there was a little kid up there actually. I just want to make note of this. She, it, just like your typical little kid, um, maybe like Littlefoot that age. She was up there and she. Gets to the top, gets to the view, and she busts out all her Barbie dolls and lays them out on the rocks and starts pretending You know, she's playing with her Barbies and stuff. It was wicked cool. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a nice time.
1: Very good. Well, I got out and did uh, Mount Mariah, so this will be number 40 for me for the winter 4,000-footer list. So I think this is the fourth time I've been on Mount Mariah.
2: Mm-hmm. No kidding. Yeah, it's a
1: nice one. Yeah, yeah. I took Carter Mariah Trail, which I've never done before, so I have some thoughts. I, I was able to. I put some notes on here. I want to rank the approaches to Mount Mariah from my perspective.
2: It's oh, just so my you went opinion. from south to north, with that? I be went
1: the- um, north to south. So, Mount uh, Carter Mariah is the trail that begins in Gorham. So, you have to go down sixteen, take a left onto Route Two, and then I'll uh, take a right onto Route Two, and then take that first.
2: It's like in a neighborhood. Mount Surprises, that whole yes. thing. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've okay. never gone that way. Gotcha. Um,
1: but in my opinion, the best way to go is Stony Brook, which is the trail that's on 16. The trailhead. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like that. I feel like it's got cool views of the Presidentials and stuff. Yeah. And then my second ranking, I would say Rattle River, because I just feel like that forest is like magic, and it's a more gradual approach. And then. I like taking that left on Shelburne Mariah as well, but Carter Mariah was okay, but the parking is stressful. I don't like the parking in that area because I feel like all the people in the neighborhood are looking at me, Mm. Um, and then you have to park by like corridor 18, which is the the snowmobile Mm -hmm. trail, so I don't know. It just creeps me out a little bit, and then the trail is my least favorite kind of trail because it's got a lot of pointless up and downs. And then it's got flat sections and then it's got these really steep sections, but nothing sustained. It's yeah. it's always changing. And I just like to put it in one gear and go up. I don't like to do these up and downs and then these steep climbs and then it levels off. Like it was just I, I couldn't get into a a, a, a rhythm on the Moriah Trail. But nice ledges, good mm-hmm. views out to the presidentials, but um sorry, Moriah Trail, it's just you're number three in the in the approaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so That's too um, funny yep yeah. the other thing stomp is that I got a chance on this hike to Mrs. Mike got me a I think this is called Helly Hansen HH and yep. she got me this like fleece pullover and I love it so, yeah Helly is awesome. yeah yeah she said it's expensive but I'm worth it so <laughs> um but I <laughs> definitely like if you can afford it <laughs> you know get one of these it's Helly Hansen fleece pullover it's a quarter zip I'll, I'll link the, in the show notes. Nice. And then Stomp, because I have to do this, I pulled a little bit of history about the name Mount Moriah. Hmm.
2: A history redux. Let's go.
1: Yeah. So uh, Mount Moriah, um, I think it was named after the sort of the biblical Moriah. So Mount Moriah in Old City, Jerusalem, is the site of numerous biblical acts of faith. It's one of the most valuable pieces of real estate in the world and also one of the most hotly contested pieces of real estate on earth. It's a profoundly sacred area to Christians, Jews, and Muslims. Sitting across Mount Moriah today is the Temple Mount, which is a 37-acre tract of land where the Jewish temple once stood. Several important Islamic holy sites are there now, including the Dome of the Rock, which is a Muslim shrine built 1,300 years ago, and the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Um, Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, the history begins in the 20... second chapter of Genesis, where God commands Abraham, take your son, your only son who you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him up as a burnt offering. Luckily, he offered his kid up, but they they I think they used a goat instead. So God stepped in and said, okay, Isaac can live. Um, but Abraham afterwards basically called this area in Mount Moriah a holy land. And, you know, a thousand years later, King Davis had, David, David, had um, built an altar to the Lord in this area, um, and it survived until his son, King Solomon, um, I guess built Solomon's temple that lasted for like 400 years, was was eventually destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar's army. Mm-hmm. And then later on, there was another temple built there on the same site, um, which became known as Herod's Temple. And then... Mm-hmm. By AD 70, the Roman army led by Titus, son of Emperor Vespian, destroyed that temple. And all that remains of the Temple Mount is an area of a retaining wall known as the Western Wall or the Wheeling Wall. Like you'll see that in Israel. People will go to that wall and pray. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? Yep. Yep. So anyway, um, God you know, really sort of had Mount Moriah as a sacred place in Jerusalem and then I can only assume that somebody came over here and said like we're going to have our own Mount Moriah in New Hampshire but next time you're hiking there don't just think that it's a cool place to see gray jays think of it as like it's a tribute to one of the more disputed lands or areas of the earth Hmm.
2: yep has been for centuries yeah
1: very exciting stuff
2: yeah, and we're uh, actually recording on um, Ash Wednesday, so happy Ash Wednesday. 40 days till Easter, kids, 40 days. 40 days till Easter, that is true.
1: Yep. Um, so anyway, Mount Mariah, I definitely liked it. I highly recommend it. There was Grey Jays there. I didn't feed them. I know there's a lot of drama about Grey Jay feeding at this point, and I did not feed them. Um, so <laughs> anyway, you been hiking anywhere, Lynn, lately?
3: Uh, last weekend, or no. I guess midweek, I did Mount Major with uh, my pal Eric. And that was a good hike. I'd never, well, actually, I hiked the Belknaps in the past, but it was so long ago that I don't remember what I did or, you know, I wasn't tracking anything. So, yeah, that was a great hike. Pretty reasonable all around. Did you get over was it straight sweet? back or did
1: you just do Major?
3: You know, um, we didn't even get started until mid-afternoon at a meeting. So, yeah, we just did major. We didn't end up going over to straight back. Hmm. We did a sunset and came down with headlamps.
2: Nice. So the hike was sweet, huh?
3: Hike was great, yeah.
2: <laughs> no, sweet.
3: Oh, my God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Come on, I'm trying to uh, drop a pun here. I'm struggling. you drop a
3: shame on that?
2: <laughs> hey, how's, uh, how's he doing, by the way? I, I, I heard he was injured, right? Is he doing yeah. better?
3: Yeah. Yeah, he said he's doing a little bit better. He's hobbling a little bit, but, um, you know, maybe following doctor's orders. So, (laughs) little by little, I think he's getting better,
2: yeah. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yep. Social media's missing him. He's got to get out there and start crushing it again. (laughs) Full steam. I know, it's
3: big energy.
1: Yep. Very good. All right, so... All right, Stomp, this is the part of the show where you're going to be like, Slasher's Topic of the Week. So we're going to go back to the Terrifying oh. 25 list. Hey, we, here. Hit, we have notables. Oh, sorry, 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 Stomp. Yeah, that's I fine. We we
2: that. Yeah, that's okay. So, uh, Notable Listener, Hike of the Week. So you can tag uh, Slasher on your adventure to be considered for Slasher's Hike of the Week. Uh, no guarantees. You'll be plugged, but we generally do our best. This week's pretty, pretty modest. So we have uh, Naomi... Uh, please excuse my spelling on this, but Naomi Ophomnia she was splitboarding and then hiked Pierce. This is a neat story, and actually uh, Eric is part of this story as well. So Christine P- Pagnotiello hiked Moose with uh, George, and apparently it was George's first winter hike above Treeline. And what do you know? He popped the, uh, the old ring on Christine, so they got engaged up on Moose, and uh, Eric Todd Sweet actually happened to just be coming along at the time. That's a really nice story. S.E. Casson did a winter to Tecumseh. Keegs, 1614, did Liberty on a Bluebird Day. Those pictures are awesome. Uh, Dave Shits in the Woods, I don't know what that means, uh, did Shaw, Black Snout, and Big Ball. and uh, Then he tagged us again for a second one, which was uh, Pliny Mountain. Full Strength Coffee was out there, uh, apparently with... Dave shits in the woods and uh, did Shaw Blacksnout and Big Ball as well. I don't know if they were together or or not, but I think they've been
1: full strength. Coffee and Dave shits in the woods are friends.
2: (laughs) I would assume so because the itinerary is is exactly the same. So I'm making an assumption.
1: I got to hang out with these guys. I mean, I've met full strength. I don't. I don't know who Dave is. I got to meet these guys.
2: Uh well he's gonna be off trail you have to look for him when you're <laughs> at the beginning off of the hike yeah <laughs> right so uh, Eric Bodry uh, Mr and Mrs Bodry I think crushed elephant's head and my God this is this is the other one that kills me so it's Mike we know that Mike Lad- Ladavaya 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 I don't know I please send me a message and. Show me how to pronounce that. And uh, he did Cube for 24 out of the 52 of the View, which is a great segue. Take it away, Mike.
1: Is a great segue to the terrifying 25 list. <laughs>
2: oh, is that what we're doing? Oh, damn it. It could have been a nice one, but oh well.
1: Put the shame drop in there. <laughs> Quietly and not for a longer duration. <laughs> Classic.
3: Should have seen Mike's face. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I horrified. We're doing the Terrifying
2: 25. (laughs) Would you expect anything less
1: from Stomp? Oh oh my God, pay attention, Stomp, pay attention. (laughs) All right, so the Terrifying 25, so just a uh, quick overview. We covered this in episode five, so we're not going to get into like... Crazy amount of detail, but I wanted to just get people to start thinking about this list because I think May, June, July, August, September, those are the months where you can really focus on this list. And I think for me personally, I out of everything I've done for list, I love the Terrifying 25. I think that um, it really intimately really gets you into all of the sort of nooks and crannies of the Northern Presidentials in the Great Gulf area for sure. And then it also takes you to some really cool other places. So a little bit of the background on the list, origin here. We talked about this on Show 5, but um, Trish, her and her daughters. So this goes back to probably, I don't know how old these kids are now. They're probably like late teens, early 20s at this point. But basically Trish had been involved in hiking. Very similar to what we see with this little little girl, Littlefoot, who's out there hiking a lot. Trish was doing the same thing with her daughter, so they did the 4,000-footer list at a pretty young age. I don't know how old they were, maybe six or eight or something like that, so they completed that. Trish was looking for something else to keep the kids engaged. They liked hiking, so they came up with a list where they looked through the 28th um, version of the White Mountain um, guide and they looked based on trail descriptions, elevation and information on the guide. They came up with a list of, I think it's about 34 trails and um, what they decided to do was call these the terrifying 25. So the 34 trails, basically there's the goal is you have to hike 25 of the 40 of the 34 trails. 20 of them are required trails that you have to hike and then you can hike any five of the 14 elective trails. Mm -hmm. All right. in order to qualify for the list. So this list is what we call a redlining or trace, whatever you want to call it, um, a redline or trace list. And what that basically means is that you have to hike the entirety of the trail from the beginning trail point to the end trail point um, in order to qualify for completing this list. Um, And again, the goal is you hike 20 of the required trails five of the 14 elective trails and then you can submit for a patch Um, so typically this list is um, pretty much like the focus of this one is in better weather they don't want um, the list is for fun so they don't recommend dogs they recommend you avoid a lot of these trails in the winter because they're not safe there's no designations for fastest known times there's no designation for being the oldest or the youngest, or the person that does it backwards, or anything like that, they just want this list to be fun, they don't want any sort of competitiveness around it. So, um, Lynn, stop anything else I'm missing when I give an overview here?
2: No, nope. so far, so good, better than my uh introduction, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do the 52 with a view next week, so <laughs> okay. um. So anyway, the um, there is a website called the Terrifying 25 list that you can go to. Um, an overview of the trails. Basically, there's like 11 of the 20 required trails are in and around the presidentials. The remainders are split out across. Like there's the Tri-Pyramids. There's the North and South Slide. There's Morgan and Percival, which is a 52 with a view hike as well. So if you're doing that, you get two for, two for one. Table Rock, which is up north. Carter Ledge Trail, which is on Shakora. You've got the Bald Face Loop. You've got the Flume Slide. And then you've got a trail, which I think is one of the most unique trails in the White Mountains, which is called the Ice Gulch, which I'll talk about later. Uh, But, yeah, it's it's a great list. In Stomp, I can kind of go down the summary of all the trails here. And, like I said, I've completed probably... I don't know, there's probably 3 or 4 trails that I haven't been on, but for the most part I've been to I've been on all of them. Lynn, have you done any of these trails or
3: I think the only T25 I have is Blueberry Ledges.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's up on uh, up on Whiteface. So hmm.
2: Yeah, I've done like 11 of the primaries and 9 of the electives. Okay.
1: So, Stomp, maybe you should finish this list um, over the summer.
2: Hmm. I don't know. My, my focus is really on those those 500s, those 500 stinkers. I'm still working on that thing. But, uh, yeah, if I have time, I'll back a couple.
1: Very good. Very good. Well, um, just going through. So I already talked about the, the ones that are not related to the presidentials. Going through the presidentials one. So there's the Caps Ridge Trail. Which is super um, cool, yeah. If I remember that one, where is Caps Ridge? <laughs> Stop. I'm trying to remember. That's the one that uh, goes up Mount Jefferson, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. Got it. And then Castle Trail is the one that I'm thinking about. So that goes off the northern section of Mount Jefferson and ends on Route Two. And that's the one that's got like the three different like little castle peaks that you can take awesome pictures of the castle ravine in right
2: right you can click on the website that the website's it's set up pretty well you can click on the name and it opens up a descriptor for each of the hikes just to make it easier for you yeah
1: yeah i'll do that next time and then um then moving into the King Ravine area, there you've got Chamin Des Dame, which is a spur trail that goes off of Airline. So basically, like when you when you take Earline or Valley Way up to the Madison Spring Hut, if you just sort of go over to your right, you'll see like there's a little um, trail junction there that takes you to Chemin Des Dame, and you can go right down into King Ravine and connect with um, another. Trail, which is the subway, they call it. Um, Mm -hmm. So you can go down into that particular area there, and then that connects to either you can go up King Ravine or you can go up the Great Gully Trail on either side of King Ravine.
2: Right. All very steep and challenging terrain for sure. No question about it.
1: Yeah. And I would say like King Ravine and Great Gully, they basically go up either side of King Ravine. And I would say King Ravine is more wide open rock slab like Huntington Ravine, whereas I think Great Gully Trail is more sort of enclosed, almost like the Sphinx Trail, but a little bit more like open ledge to it. But it's more like enclosed, I think, as you go up the side of the headwall.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, in the winter, it's a popular skiing uh, gully that skiers will climb up and ski down. Uh, but in yep. the summer, you're right; it's very bouldery and and somewhat enclosed.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then as you approach that, like I said, like there's this subway section, which is essentially when you come down Chemin des and then you connect onto um, this subway section. Um, it's just basically. Um, you know, it's like bouldering and caves and stuff. So it's a little bit confusing, but it's, it's fun. It's a fun, fun hike for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Subway's awesome too. Um, even if you're not going all the way up, uh, say King Ravine, up to the higher altitudes, it's great for kids if you walk in those few miles to explore Subway. It's just a massive boulder cave with tunnels and you can see snow in the, the midsummer. A super cool time for younger hikers. And uh fairly accessible, not too much elevation,
1: yeah, and I don't know what the rules are Stomp, but I have seen more than once I've been down in that um, King Ravine area and you'll see people tenting on top of those big boulders, and oh. you, like it looks <laughs> tiny when you like look at them down from like the head wall, but then hmm. when you get down in there, it's like the boulders are enormous, and they look that, like little tiny ants on top of it.
2: Yeah, that's interesting,
1: huh yeah, Wow. Yeah, so then um, I guess that's there's a lot of stuff going on in King Ravine, Castle Ravine. Uh, on the other side, you've got the um, you've got Madison Golf Trail. So if you go into the Great Golf Trail, you that's part of the that's one of the um, the hikes. So you've got Madison Golf, then you've got um, Six Husbands, which sort of brings you up towards Jefferson. Um, Madison Gulf takes you sort of on the southern section of Mount Adams in between, you know, basically drops you right out in front of Star Lake in that area. Um, Six Husbands takes you right up to the summit of uh, Mount Jefferson. And then the Great Gulf Trail takes you all the way up into the Great Gulf for miles. You come up by Spalding La- awesome. Lake, it's magic which is an amazing there. little like pond area there. And then up the headwall, which is, I think... That's a pretty crazy climb.
2: Mm-hmm. Beautiful.
1: Yep. Um, so yeah, so we've got that, and then I'm trying to think if there's anything else in the presidentials. The Sphinx Trail is the next one. Mm-hmm. So basically, like you got Madison Gulf, Six Husbands, Sphinx Trail, and then the Great Gulf Trail. They all sort of go along the Great Gulf um, in order, and then I would say the the Sphinx Trail. I went down that one. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I think I was doing like a loop from (laughs) Castle Ridge to um, oh, Caps Ridge and then I went down Sphinx and then back up Great Gulf
2: yeah I love the Sphinx Trail it's such a that's a a very direct way to get down off of uh, the the Alpine Zone quickly super quick
1: and I would say the Sphinx Trail and uh, probably the Sphinx Trail even more than the Great Gulf Trail because Great Gulf is a little bit more exposed, but those are sort of the last areas to melt. Like you'll get a lot. And I think this, the snow fields near Jefferson as well, but I think that those are one of the last areas to kind of get snowmelt. So I hold off on touching those until like June or July. Hmm.
2: How
1: and about then, some of the electives? Did you yeah, so Some of the those? electives, there's 14 electives. So you've got the uh, the airline trail, which is basically parallel the valley way. I always recommend like if you're going to go up Adams and you're going to go up Valley Way, like take the airline trail instead. If it's good good awesome. weather, it's much nicer. Um,
2: not not really sketchy though. I wonder why that's on the electives list. It's not very not too many scrambles. I mean, modest.
1: Yeah, I feel like the airline trail is like pretty steady. Yeah, I mean it's the sketchiest time of the airline trail is like in. In the late winter, early spring, it it stays iced over pretty badly. Yeah. Um, Algonquin Trail Stomp, which we just did a couple of months ago. Hell yeah, it's awesome. Beaver Brook, which is a is a climb up Musalaki that um, it probably isn't as popular as um, Gorge. Gorge Brook or Glencliff, but like it's much steeper and it's got it's known for having like the iron rungs.
2: Yeah, it follows a cascade pretty much up to the summit. Very s- slippery and treacherous.
1: Yep, yeah. And then there's the Brook Trail, which um, I think I've done this. This is on the backside of Chikora, and I think I've done this as part of the um, the Chikora race one year. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. Had, the, had us go up the Brook Trail. Gotcha. And then, Lynn, you had mentioned this one, the Blueberry Ledge Trail. So this is the main main way that you go up to um, Mount Whiteface um, Castle Ravine, which is basically in the Castle Ravine. You've got the um, what is it? It is the uh, the Castle Trail which is on the required list. Then you've got Castle Ravine, which goes up the middle of the ravine. And then the other side of that is Israel Ridge, which is basically, that's the northern section of um, Mount Adams and brings you up in in between Mount Adams and Mount Jefferson. Um, But that's a, I've never done that Castle Ravine trail, so I have to get on that. The Desolation Trail is a spur trail off of... um, Salt Pond, a- so off of Kilkenny Ridge, Rogers Ledge, that area there. It's a little, it's like a boulder scramble trail. Hmm. Oh no, actually no. I'm no I, that's Kerrigan.
2: Yeah, that's north of Carragane Desolation. Yeah, no trail.
1: Desolation. You're right. It's north of Carragane. I'm thinking Devil's yeah. Hop Yard. I apologize. Yeah. Edit that out. Stop.
2: You know what's neat about this? This this trail is nice. Um, this is one way that you can get to the Captain. You can you can follow a Desolation and get to Carragane Pond, and then hit the Captain from the um, from the east as opposed to coming in from Sawyer River Road. So that's sort of a nice way. And remember with the Mara Murray documentaries, talked about her her remains yes. being buried up here. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? It's sort of neat.
1: Yeah, yeah. So early on in the Mara Murray, uh, case, there was somebody had written, I think this was before like social media, but there was like um, these news groups or some message board and somebody had written that... Um, They got a tip from somebody that had said that they had basically dumped her body and gave these GPS coordinates. And it was like right off the Desolation Trail near Mount Carragane. So it became like this mythical thing about like people saying like, oh, they got to go out and check it. And it was like, it's a thick bushwhack. But somebody did go out there and check it out.
2: Yes. Yes. And they found nothing. Yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I apologize. I got Desolation Trail and Devil's Hop Yard confused. Devil's oh. Hopyard is the trail that is the spur trail off of Kilkenny Ridge, Rogers Ledge, right now the northern end of uh, Kilkenny Ridge. Gotcha. Then we've got Goodrich, Goodrich Rock, which we talked about um, a couple of months ago. It's a, yep. a little spur trail off of Greeley Pond, Livermore it's a new one. area. Yeah,
2: yeah, you saw that that day, didn't you? When well, we did. were it was uh, great. working with Larson. Yep. And uh, yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, High Cannon Trail, which, um, you know, is a pretty standard route up Cannon. Then we've got the Osseo Trail, which is a pretty standard route on the, anybody that's in a Pemi Loop has gone up the Osseo Trail off the backside to get to Mount Flume. Mm-hmm. And then Percy Peak Trail, which is way up off of Nash Stream, which is a great hike. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. It's basically like an open... It's like Mount Eisenhower
2: minus three thousand feet. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like the, the cone.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> and then we've got uh, Wildcat Ridge, which is you know right out of Pinkham Notch. That's a a steep climb, and then Willie Range Trail, which is the southern edge of the Willie southern end of the Willie Tom Field Range here. So Ooh,
2: that one so. gives me the willies. No joke. That's a tough trail.
3: Oh my goodness. Yeah.
2: Nah. Uh, yeah. Please. I mean. <laughs> that was a bad pun, but that is one damn tough trail. I've, Whether you're going down it or up it, it's like, oh.
1: Yeah. I mean, I hiked it with my friend Jonathan and I think our other friend <laughs> Ted, and they brought crampons, and I made him. I brought my micro spikes and my snowshoes, and I was like, anything that we have to deal with, I can address with my micro spikes and my snowshoes. And man, was I wrong because they went up in crampons up that ladder section, and I had. Microspikes, and it wasn't working for me. I had to dive into the woods, and it was a disaster. So it's a Mm. tough trail. Yeah, really dangerous. Yeah. But of all these, I think, stomp the only ones I haven't done is Desolation and Devil's Hop Yard.
2: Wow, yeah. Not too bad.
1: So that is the Terrifying 25 list. Hopefully, um, I I highly recommend it. I think it's a great list, and I think that, um, you know, it really gives you a good... A good view of all of the the more difficult trails in the white, so I highly recommend it.
2: Yeah, did you touch upon the tri pyramids?
1: Just a little bit. I mean, we've talked yeah. about them before.
2: Sure, those are epic. Yeah, yeah. Super. Two cool. very
1: different slides too.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, one's mostly granite and super steep, and the other one is eh, fairly steep but granular, scree field, gravelly, kind of slippy. Yeah treacherous this time of the year the southern
1: yeah no doubt um and then stomp i was just looking back on episode five we had talked a little bit about limiting risks when you were solo hiking i know mm-hmm. we've talked about this a bunch but uh, we talked a little bit about making sure that you look for weather reports i know we've kind of gone through that before with the weather reports around like higher summit forecast national weather service weather on your phone you know, basically just triangulating all those different services into making a decision on a go, no go on a, on a certain day, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've talked about this ad nauseum over the last almost 100 episodes. Um, so dig in and see what you can dig out of it. But this is a quick little summary. Um, I, I posted something funny the other day. I, I purchased those cheap amazon uh, strobes i've been doing research about strobes and uh interesting poll results there were actually some people that were like yeah strobes aren't really worth it but uh the majority of people said that a strobe is actually something that could be handy in your pack um, if you did get into trouble i know that's like you know if you're in trouble but this is trying to to prevent trouble um what do you get there you get uh, beacons on there at all I don't
1: have, I don't have beacons on the, oh yeah, I guess I do. Um, GPS device. Yeah, GPS device. Um, And just Mm. sort of, just solo hiking in general. Like I, my perspective on this is like, if you wait for someone to go hiking with, you're never going to go hiking. So you want to get comfortable solo hiking, you know, pick your spot. Like if if you're not super comfortable, but you want to go pick a weekend day, pick a trail where, you know, there's going to be a crowd there. So you're not going to be by yourself um Mm -hmm. until you're generally comfortable you know early mornings are better than like waiting for a late start because you're going to see more people coming coming back um you know just bring a beacon with you or like an in reach or something like that make sure that you have a gps system that you're working on um headlamps like the strobe lights i think a lot of the headlamps will have a strobe effect so if you can figure that out that's Mm -hmm. a good thing to uh, to use
2: Yeah, I think uh, just to tag on to that solo thing, if you're bushwhacking solo, I really recommend having a beacon. Not not like a flashing beacon, but I'm talking like a personal locator beacon or something that you can communicate with people. Um, Because generally bushwhacking will will take you to places that will not have service for your phone or whatnot. So so you want to be able to communicate if you get into trouble.
3: I would add to this... um an emergency bivy and water filtration. Mm -hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, The other thing I have in here, we talked about this before, is like the decision to bring a sleeping sleeping bag or not bring a sleeping bag. Like I think if the weather is, you need an eight, eight to 10 hour window where you can survive in cold weather. So if the weather is such that you don't think you're going to be confident in surviving with a sleeping pad and, one of those emergency bivvies, that's when you start thinking about like, okay, especially if you're going deep in, bring a sleeping bag with you, that extra weight is worth it. Um, low visibility, I don't touch anything. If I know that the visibility is not going to be there, I'm going to avoid it. Um, if you get stuck in low visibility, make sure that you've got like a good length of paracord, especially if you're with somebody, you can have one person stand at a cairn, then use another person to hold on to that paracord. Go out, sweep to find the next cairn, and then you just basically leapfrog back and forth using that line of rope to um, to find the, uh, the the rock cairns if you're above tree line. What
2: is the, um, I, I don't recall, the length between cairns typically that they try to strive for? I don't Do you know. recall?
1: I don't know. We've, we've, it's it's come up before and I'm sure that like the forest service has like a standard like guideline in there. And I've got that PDF somewhere where they like basically talk about how you're supposed to build them. Mm. I would just make sure that you have like a 50 or a hundred foot length of rope, or maybe two pieces of, of paracord that you can tie together if you need the distance. So, yeah. Um, the other thing is marker flags. If you've got low visibility, you'll see guides sometimes that use these marker flags. Like if you see them out there, don't touch them. Uh, But don't be shy about using them either if you think you're going to be in a low visibility day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's it. Not much has changed in our advice since episode five, Stomp, I guess.
2: (laughs) Well, there we go. And this uh, segment was brought to you by Sweet Beginnings Daycare. Uh, It's a New Hampshire state licensed child care provider that offers care for children from six weeks to 12 years with flexibility in before and after school care as well. Sweet Beginnings aims to instill a love for learning by providing a safe and positive experience within a loving and warm environment. Sweet Beginnings Daycare believes this is a good foundation to teach children in order to prepare them for their future. For more information, contact Sweet Beginnings at 603-568-4530, visit them at Sweet Beginnings Daycare on Facebook, or email Shandy at shandyelliot at outlook.com.
1: So are we ready to move on to um, this next segment, which is search and rescue news?
3: Yeah, let's
2: do it. We finally have some news out out of New Hampshire. We do.
1: Yeah, we do. Thank you. Thank you, lost hiker in (laughs) New Hampshire. All right. Well, it's just sticking international here. So um, the first story we have here is authorities in Switzerland denounced the identity of a male whose remains were found near the... Corbassier Glacier in Valais, Switzerland, mm. in September 2022. And I have no idea if I pronounced those correctly, but I'm going to fake it till I make it.
2: Um <laughs> <Chemin> de <Dom. laughs>
1: Yes, the gentleman who was 32 <laughs> when he went missing in 1974 had actually been reported missing from the Grand Combin area in the Pennine Alps on December 31st of that year. His identity was validated with help from the British police in February of 2021, and I guess his name was not released, but they did want to sort of clarify that, um, you know, the remains they were found at the scene suggested that it could be a man who had been reported missing since December 31st, 1974. They were able to f- do a DNA analysis and identified that it was an English national who was 32 years old at the time of his disappearance. So um not bad. So his he was basically lost in seventy-four. They identified they found his body in twenty twenty two and then they were able to, I guess, confirm it via DNA. So the family's got a little bit of closure. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. Fifty yeah. years. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. they said the remains were discovered due to global warming which has caused the glacier to melt in the area and this will expose human remains a number of which have actually been kept in snow or frozen ice for several years so I don't know how well preserved he was but mm. he thought out <laughs> is that bad see
2: global warming is a great thing you're finding <laughs> all <guess>. these bodies <laughs>
1: Yes. Um, Well, speaking of finding bodies, they still have not found... um,
2: Julian Sands.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I guess this this news article on AOL. So the body of a 62-year-old hiker was found on a snowy and ice-covered mountain more than a month after he went missing. Bob Gregory's body was found on Mount Islip on February 18th, his family said. Uh, his body was about 300 feet from the summit, according to the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. Yeah. Um, they said the so, cause of death has not been determined.
2: Yeah, this is in the range where Baldy is. Okay. Yeah.
1: Got it. So uh, yeah. they had last heard from him on January 13th, and they said he was an avid hiker and had posted a trail map to the peak on a hiking app before disappearing. They had been searching for him but dealing with dangerous winter conditions as they search for, at the same time, they were searching for missing Hollywood actor Julian Sands on Mount Baldy. So Sands went missing on January 13th, and he has not been found yet. And That's had a shame. N- Yeah, they've had numerous issues here. So 75-year-old man from Los Angeles got separated from his group and went missing on Mount Baldy on January 22nd. He was found two days later. Two additional hikers died after sliding on ice on Mount Baldy. So strong winds and snow conditions have made it extremely dangerous for hiking in that area. And they said Ice Slip is about 55 miles northeast of downtown Los Angeles. I'm assuming Baldy is close by.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a dangerous place. It's amazing. It's like right on the outskirts of L.A. too.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It is. It is. Um, mm. So moving on to local news here. I got to put a plug in for this guy. He just got on this group. Sure. It's, it's a Facebook group. It's called Nick News. Yep. And this guy's great. He, I think what he's doing is like sitting there and listening to the police scanners in Conway, okay. New Hampshire. And he posts all this news and it's actually fantastic. Like he's. Huh. Yeah. Like this guy fell at um, McKellar's Sweet Shop. He fell and hurt his head and his back, so North Conway Rescue just responded to him. This happened like three hours ago. I don't have to listen to the scanners in North Conway because this guy is listening for me, but he posted like some guy got into a, um, he got into like an issue with Cumberland Farms there because the Bitcoin machine wasn't working, so he was like freaking out and causing a scene, so the police had to go there and tell him to calm down. He reports (laughs) on fights. There was a fight at McDonald's in North Conway, and then there was another fight at Aditash Ski Resort. So Nick News, I'll put a link in the show notes. This guy's fantastic.
2: So he's giving us like news tips.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This, this is a gold mine.
2: Yeah, that no, that's great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he's, he just reported today that a lady a ran into mine. the gate at Bear, um, Bear Notch Road on, on a snowmobile.
2: Oh, jeez. That's yeah. got to be fun.
1: Yeah. And then people are like, that Ooh. happens all the time. I'm like, I, of course it does. Uh, where do you, where else do you get that quality content?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: <clears throat> <clears throat> right. So, Stomp, I, I'm hurt. My voice is hurting here. Do you want to do these first two? Yeah, sure. Let's uh,
2: open up this first one, which takes us to Berkshire County, which is in Massachusetts and um, home of Greylock and uh, Pittsfield State Forest. The whole thing. This this story comes out of Adams and. I do not have a date, but it's within this week. So, a missing hiker and her dog. See, I just wanted to put this one up there, Mike, because I knew it would pull on your heartstrings. They were rescued by several rescue and fire personnel on Saturday evening by the Cheshire Harbor Trail near the Adams-New Ashle- Ashford uh, line. The Adams Fire Department reports no injuries uh, there. So, around 540 the Adams Fire Department was tipped off about a missing hiker near Cheshire Harbor Trail. And um, the response ensued, and uh, they utilized ATVs. And let's see, the hiker had found her way back to the trail. Adams Fire was altered via dispatch that the hiker had found her way back to the trail. Shortly after, the hiker was located along with her dog. Thank and, uh Yeah, aside from being wet and cold, she told the T, the emts that uh she was fine so both were taken to off the mountain and sat in adam's truck three to warm up oh wasn't that nice <laughs> i only care about the dog <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny so yeah i mean that's a little story out of mass um now we have a story coming out of maine You don't hear too much about maine do you
1: not too much, not too no. much, but this is a uh, and Stomp, You may need to interesting. Like I noticed that the um, the story I had originally posted is oh, no longer. There. Yeah, it's no longer there. So maybe they found this guy, but there was a post on here that said that they were looking for a missing snowmobile or way up north, oh. and that if anybody had information on him, please contact like the main. Fishing game or whoever it is, but it looks like the story has been updated and it's no longer there. So maybe, maybe they found this guy. I don't know.
2: Hmm. Okay. The suspense is killing me. What, what do lasts. you think that means?
1: So I guess it could mean one thing. Like it could mean that like they found him and like it was just a mistake, or it could be that like something bad happened. And they want to take his information now because they want to make sure that they. Don't expose the name. I don't know. Hopefully it's good. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. All right, Stomp. So I'll do this next one here. So sure. there is a car stranded on um, Foss Mountain. So on Saturday, February 18th at 3 p.m., Fishing Game was notified that a vehicle was stranded in the area of Willis Bean and Foss Mountain Road. These roads and many others that lead to them... In, in the area and not maintained in the winter months. So due to poor cell service in the area, an exact location was unknown and multiple attempts to establish contact with the group failed. There's multiple access points in the area in Freedom, Eaton and from Maine as well. So members of the Freedom Police Department, Carroll County Sheriff's and Oxford County Sheriff's had checked the access points with no luck.
3: Hmm.
1: Um, Conservation officers arrived shortly after five and located the group at their vehicle on Willis Bean Road, just under two point five miles from the point the plow stop on Foss Mountain Road in Eaton. So, thirty-eight year old gentleman from Westwood, Mass, was following. or it's a lady actually. Thirty-eight year old lady from Westwood, Mass, was following her GPS to Foss Mountain hiking trail. She's driving a Toyota 4Runner and she had gotten on a Willis Bean Road off of Kenned Hill Road in Porter, Maine. So this is up by, this is near my father-in-law, mm-hmm. and drove about two and a half miles. Yeah, And she was accompanied by a couple of ladies, lady friends, and that must have been a fun discussion as they were driving down that road. <laughs>
2: <laughs> see, when I first read this story, I'm thinking, oh my God, I see this all the time on the snowmobile trails. But it ended up, they were trying to get to the trailhead, right? As opposed to whatever getting a sled up there but oh man yeah crazy they were way in too on this story
1: then went two and a half miles in
2: yeah that's that's a hell of a drag out to try to try to get your car out
1: yeah yeah i wonder at what point does the like one friend that has like sort of the 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 radar to say something's wrong like at what point does she say like hey something's wrong <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh when you see snow that's ungroomed, maybe. Yes. Could be. Oh man. Could be. I mean oh, me well. and Mrs.
1: Me and Mrs. Mike, we went to we went to go check on her father's house and um it wasn't plowed down there, so it's not like I mean there's not a ton of snow, but there's enough where you would be like something's wrong here. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Tough one. Well, well, I'm glad all's well that ends well. So the next one is an actual hiking story, stomp. So we've I got know. a missing hiker on Mount Isolation. So Coming on off Sunday, February... Tw- yeah, this is the first one, I think, of the month. On Sunday, February 20th, shortly before 9.30, Fishing Game was notified that a hiker had gotten off trail in the area of Mount Isolation. Um, 59-year-old hiker from Londonderry. Um, she was starting her hike with a friend around 9.30 a.m., so the call came in at 9.30 p.m. So 9.30 a.m., her hiking partner turned around, and this hiker continued on alone. She summited Mount Isolation around 3 p.m. and lost the trail on her way down. She was able to call for help. So I think isolation gets tricky because you got to find that engine hill bushwhack, and then if you don't find that, mm-hmm. and you don't have GPS to get back onto that lower section of Rocky Branch, then it gets, it's, you lost. hmm So she was able to call for help and was just over 1,400 feet off a trail. So that's a decent way. Um, She's lucky she had cell connection out there too. Uh, Contact with the hiker was lost, and while conservation officers were hiking in to locate her, she was able to regain the trail and begin hiking down. So 9.30 at night, I mean, it's dark. She's looking around for the trail. So they were able to basically meet her on the trail just before 1 a.m. and hike back out to the trailhead, mm-hmm. Um 2.15. So this lady started at 9.30 in the morning and finished. Oh, I'm going to do math here. All right, so 9 o'clock, that's 12. Then I do 3 gets me to 12 and then 2, so that's 5. So that's 17-hour stomp.
2: Oh, my God.
1: Oh, it's not uncommon. It happens.
0: Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So, and the hiker was well prepared for the conditions, and ding ding, she had a a current hike save card. There you go. So, good
3: work. Yeah.
1: Yep. And then, Snob, I think what we need to do is I'm going to do like a all-encompassing summary of the snowmobile accidents that have gone through the press releases and just totaled them up for us because we've missed a lot. But this this last one is a snowmobile crash in Lincoln, and I'll let you sort of talk through this. It's a, basically like a 50-year-old guy from Salem, New Hampshire was seriously injured on a crash, mm-hmm. but um, was near like Flume Gorge Visitor's well, center parking lot.
2: Yeah, I, I posted this one because that's where Nobby and I were, and I could not get over the shape of the trails. I mean, if if there was any coverage over the dirt and the mud, it was just pure ice. So I can't believe people were actually out snowmobiling on this terrain. It's so dangerous. Um, so on February 18th, fishing game was notified of a snowmobile crash uh, in the Franconia Notch State Park on the bike path. And again, when you come out of Indian Head, uh, Mount Pemigewasset, you get on to the bike path and that's where it dumps down to Flume Gorge. And again, it was like pure ice and sleds just do not work on ice. Um, so that becomes corridor 11, uh, which goes north all the way to, you know, Gorham and Berlin. Thomas Cornell, 53 of Salem, New Hampshire, was seriously injured In a single machine crash while operating a snowmobile with a group of family members the crash occurred approximately half a mile north of Flume Gorge Visitor Center parking lot not very far up it's even before the uh, uh, Liberty Flume um, trailhead so, extremely poor trail conditions are considered to be contributing factors to the crash. However, the crash remains under investigation. So, Thomas was transported uh, by the Lincoln Fire Department and Linwood Ambulance and taken to Littleton Regional Healthcare in Littleton and then flown via Dart Helicopter to Dartmouth-Hitchcock in Lebanon for further treatment. And... Um, <laughs> then it, it ends by saying that uh, the conservation offices would like to take the time to caution snowmobilers that trail conditions in most of New Hampshire are poor at this time, and I would add closed. And many trail systems, oh, there it is, closed, and ones that are still open should be used with caution. And that's about the change, which is a miracle. Um, we have massive, massive snow coming, so hopefully we'll be open for another month or so, which is crazy a week ago we just rode off the whole sled system and now tomorrow we're getting hammered so it's a good yeah. thing
1: you know it be good and i know yeah. i started my hike on corridor 18 when i parked i, I parked yeah. by 18 and i had to do the first like maybe 300 400 feet i had to go up a hill i yep. just bare booted i didn't even have my spikes on yet and it was just and that's the section the snowmobiles go up and it was right. like a sheet of ice Oh, yeah. There's no way that they would have been driving on that. Nobody was driving on it. So I can imagine what the conditions were for the guy down Father South. Yeah. Yeah. Really
2: rough. So that's it. Very good.
1: Good. All right. So this is a wrap stomp. Anything else, Lynn? Anything else we miss? Uh, mm, Nope.
2: I don't think so. Look forward to the next few uh, episodes leading up to the big 100.
1: Very good. So, we are out.
0: Adios. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fishing game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots, and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. And we all know who they are. Oh! James Nealon, New Hampshire Fish and Game. Lucinda, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? Seems to me the most common is being unprepared. I think if they just simply visited uh, Hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.